the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. Hey, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Grab your sermon notes. We're in a series called Seeing Jesus Clearly. And I've got some good news. I want everybody to smile. I want to speak on the subject that Jesus loves you unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. Uh, Culturally, as a nation, we've talked about this, we continue to drift further and further away from God. And all kinds of things happen in our culture. And uh, right now, we're, we're all fearful of this virus. It's scaring people half to death. It's actually brought our world to a halt. Many of us have never lived through anything like this. And all I want to tell you is that when you go through difficult times, all you need to remember is that Jesus loves you, and he loves you unconditionally. And if you can remember that, you have absolutely nothing to be fearful about as long as you remember that Jesus loves you unconditionally. I want you to turn to someone in the room. There's someone there in the room. Say to them, Jesus loves you unconditionally. Say that. Jesus loves you unconditionally. Now, I want you to say back to that person, the person who just said that to you, you say back to them, how can you be so sure? How can you be so sure? Go ahead and say that. And now what I want you to say back to your neighbor is listen to the sermon. Listen to the sermon. I want to give you three reasons why I know that Jesus loves us unconditionally. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. First of all, what's called the declaration of, of the scriptures the declaration of the scriptures and as you read through the bible page after page after page after page after page after page is the story of how god loves you and how god loves me unconditionally and the first reason why i know this is true is simply because the bible declares that he loves us And I I just want to read through some of these verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, it says, For I am convinced. I want everybody to say the word convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, including COVID-19, anything else in all creation that nothing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Ephesians 3 verse 19 tells us that God's love surpasses knowledge. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 and 8, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4 verse 19 tells us we love because he first loved us. In John chapter 15 verse 9, the Bible says, as the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so have I loved you. And then in John chapter 15 verse 12, Jesus said these words, my command is this, to love each other as I, Jesus, have loved you. Now, what I want to ask you is, what am I reading out of right here? Am I reading out of an encyclopedia? Am I reading out of Reader's Digest? Am I reading out of the Los Angeles Times? What am I reading out of? I'm reading out of the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You can tell I have two grandchildren. You can, because I sing that song to them all the time. Now, this book, the Bible, is either true or it's not true. If it's not true, if the Bible is not true, I say we close it up and we just go about our business because there is no God and there is no truth and there is no such thing as God's Word. But if it is true, if this book is true, and I believe it is true, then you can be assured that Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me because the Bible declares it. Amen, amen. I want to tell you one of my favorite stories of Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody was an evangelist from Chicago, and, and uh, he's the only man that was ever said that he shook two continents for God. He shook the United States, and he shook Europe. This was back in the day before you had modern transportation where it took you months to go back and forth on a, on a ship. Dwight L. Moody, the only man who ever said that he shook two continents for God. And one day, Dwight L. Moody was over in Europe, and he was speaking, and this little short evangelist, a little man came up to him by the name of Henry Morehouse. And Henry Morehouse just kind of introduced himself. He said, Mr. Moody, my name is Henry Morehouse. And he goes, one day, I'm going to come to America, and when I come to America, I'm going to be willing to preach for you. Well, Dwight L. Moody kind of forgot about it. He didn't think much about it. And several months went by. Dwight L. Moody was back in America. He was back at his church in Chicago and he received a telegram. Now, all of you young people that don't know what a telegram is, just ask your parents. They'll explain what a telegram is. It's kind of like a text message. But Dwight L. Moody's at his church and he gets a telegram and it's from Henry Morehouse. And here's what it says. It says, dear Mr. Moody, my name is Henry Morehouse. Several months ago, I met you in Europe. I want you to know that I'm coming to the United States. I will be there today. And if you need me to preach for you, I am willing to fill in at your pulpit. Well, it just so happened that that Wednesday night at Bible study that Dwight L. Moody had to be out of town and he did not have a speaker lined up to speak. 
And so he gathered his elders together and he told his leadership, he said, look, many months ago, I was over in Europe. I met this guy named Henry Morehouse and he's here in America. I'm going to let him preach tonight at our church. He said to his men, I want you there though, in case he starts to say something that he shouldn't say, I want you elders to stand up and take over the service because I've never really heard the guy preach. Well, they all agreed. Dwight L. Moody left town. The elders were there that night. Henry Morehouse was there. They introduced him. And Henry Morehouse, he stepped into the pulpit of the great Dwight L. Moody. And here's what he said. He said, ladies and gentlemen, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. He preached what those people said was the greatest sermon that they'd ever heard in their life on the text of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. At the end of his sermon, here's what Henry Morehouse said. He said, anyone in this room that wants to make a decision for Jesus Christ, stay right where you are. The rest of you are dismissed. And the story goes, not a single person got up and walked out of that room that night. That every single person made a decision for Jesus Christ that night after hearing that sermon on the love of God. The elders got together in the back of the room and they said to Henry Morehouse, hey, what are you doing tomorrow night? He said, Thursday night. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm not doing anything. They said, would you be willing to come back and preach for us tomorrow night? He said, I'd love to. So before they dismissed, the elders stood up and they said, ladies and gentlemen, come back tomorrow night, Thursday night, Henry Morehouse will be preaching again. The next night, Thursday night, the house was packed. And for the second night in a row, Henry Morehouse stood into the pulpit of the great Dwight L. Moody. And here's what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And again, he preached one of the greatest sermons that they had ever heard in their life. The elders got together in the back of the room. They said, what are you doing tomorrow night? He said, nothing. They stood up. They said, hey, people, come back tomorrow night. It's Friday night. Henry Morehouse is going to preach again. Friday night came, Henry Morehouse stepped back in the pulpit. His text again was John chapter 3, verse 16. It was so good, the elder said, what are you doing tomorrow night? He said, Saturday night, I'm not doing anything. They stood up, they announced, hey, come back tomorrow night, Saturday night. Henry Morehouse will preach. Now, guess who came back in town Saturday afternoon? It was Dwight L. Moody. And his wife met him. And uh, he said, "Uh, how are things going? And she said... She said, great, we're having a revival down at the church. He said, revival? What do you mean we're having a revival? She said, you know that guy that you invited to speak on Wednesday night? Dwight L. Moody said, I didn't invite him. He invited himself. She said, you know who I'm talking about. said, he did such a good job Wednesday night. The elders asked him to come back Thursday night. He did such a good job Thursday night. They asked him to come back Friday night. He did such a good job on Friday night. They invited him to speak tonight, Saturday night. He's speaking tonight at your church. She said to Dwight L. Moody, you should go down there yourself. She said, who knows? Maybe you'll get converted. (laughs) Well, Dwight L. Moody went to church that night. He says that he sat on the front row with a very skeptical spirit. As he watched and as he listened and as he heard on Saturday night, Henry Morehouse step into his pulpit at that great church in Chicago 
And here's what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. I want to speak to you a message on the love of God. And they said that he preached one of the greatest sermons that have ever been preached. And Dwight L. Moody said that it was the greatest sermon that he'd ever heard. Now, historians, historians who've studied the life and the ministry of Dwight L. Moody tell us this, that up to this point in his life, he had always preached on the judgment of Christ. But after that night, hearing the message from Henry Morehouse, that his ministry shifted, and from that point forward, the great evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, began to preach on the love of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to know is that that revival lasted for six weeks. And every night for six weeks, the text was John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Let there be no misunderstanding that Jesus loves you unconditionally. The Bible declares it. Every book, every chapter, every page, every verse, every line, every word screams and declares that Jesus Christ loves you and he loves you unconditionally. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's go to point two. How do we know he loves us unconditionally? Well, we see this in the scriptures. Write this down. His devotion, his devotion to the sinners, to the way he dealt with people that were engaged or involved with sin, his devotion to the sinner. I want to do something. This is a fun little exercise. You can do this right in your house. I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 2. You're going to see the word sinner and you're going to see the word tax collector over and over again. So right there in your house, or if you're watching on TV or on, on your iPad or on your phone, as I read through the text, every time I say the word sinner, I want you just to hold your nose and go like this, okay? Okay, just do that, all right? Stinky. Sinners are stinky, okay? And when I say tax collector, I want you to put your thumb down and just go boo, all right? Let's practice, all right? We're going to practice. When you hear the word sinner, everybody do this. Good, good, good. And when I say tax collector, you do this. Just go, boo, good, 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 good. All right. I I feel like you're really enjoying that way too much. Let me read through the text. I'll help you along. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. We're looking at Jesus' devotion to the sinners. Verse 13, once again, Jesus went out beside a lake. And a large crowd came to him, and he began to what? To teach them. Verse 14. As he walked along... He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed Jesus. Verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, the Bible says that there were many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Verse 16. This is Mark chapter 2, verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, 
Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you read this Bible cover to cover, it is made up of stories just like this story of Jesus meeting with tax collectors and sinners in Mark chapter 2. You'll read stories about people that are lost or broken or disillusioned. And God, in his love, reaches out to them. Over and over again, we talked last week about the shepherd who had a hundred sheep and one went astray. One went astray. The shepherd went and found that one lost sheep. It's the picture of the love of God. There's a story in the Bible of a woman named Rahab who was a harlot, yet God saved her because that's the type of people God saves. There's a story about a leper who is sick and Jesus reaches out and touches and heals someone with a disease because that's the type of man he was, the type of savior he was. There's a book in the Bible called Hosea. It's about a man who marries a woman named Gomer and Gomer is a woman of the night. And so he goes out and he marries this, this woman of the night. He redeems her and he restores her and uh, takes care of her. And what does she do to show her appreciation? She turns and she goes right back out into a life of sin. She left Hosea. And, God, and Hosea said, what do you want me to do now, God? God said, Hosea, I want you to go get her again. Go redeem her again. Why would God say that? Because that's the type of God we serve. He wants to give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. There's a man named Peter who asked Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive people? Seven times? Jesus said not seven times, but 70 times seven. You're to just keep forgiving people the way I have forgiven you. We remember that Jesus turned to the thief, a, a guy on the cross, as Jesus was dying. One of his last words was to a, a thief who had done nothing but rob and steal from people his entire life, yet Jesus showed mercy. Jesus showed compassion. He told the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. All of these stories illustrate how much God is devoted to reaching lost sinners, Today, if you just looked at the people in the room where you're, where you're seated there, I mean, just take a look at who's here. We had, we had close to 20,000 people watching the sermon last week. Now think about that, 20,000 people. You know, these people have, many of them, their lives are messed up. They have drifted away from God. The Bible says that we've all sinned. The Bible says that we've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We all have transgressions. We all have a past. And yet, yet, even though we have a bad past, even though we have skeletons in the closet, even though we've made many mistakes, Jesus loves us unconditionally. His desire, his intent, now hear me, that no matter how flawed we are, no matter how great our addictions may be, no matter how far we have drifted away from God, no matter how deep into sin we are, His desire, His intent is to redeem us, to restore us, to forgive us, and to love us. Many times we in the church, we like to trample on the fallen. Jesus likes to restore the fallen. And if you're listening here today, I just want you to know 
that if you're broken or if you're discouraged or you're downhearted or you're fearful, if you feel unloved, if you feel unwelcomed, if you feel unfixable, you need to come to Jesus because there's nothing in your life that you could ever do that would cause God to love you any more than he already loves you. And there's nothing you could ever do to ever cause God to love you any less than what he already does. He loves you unconditionally. I want you to go back and look at verse 15, Mark chapter 2. There's a couple more verses. Look at verse 15. We read this once already, but there's one word in verse 15 that's in there two times. And it's the, it's the word many. Look at verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, the Bible says there, there weren't just a few tax collectors and sinners. The Bible says there were many tax collectors and many sinners that were eating with him and his disciples. For there were, here it is for the second time, there were many who followed him. Jesus wasn't some weird, creepy guy that no one wanted to be around. No, he was so unique, so kind. He was so engaging. He was so sincere, so loving, so genuinely concerned about others that many people were drawn to him. There were many tax collectors and many sinners that just wanted to be around Jesus. Jesus didn't care how wealthy they were. He didn't care what color their skin was. He didn't care what their social status was. He didn't care if they were a saint or a sinner. He didn't even care if they were in the church or out of the church. He loved tax collectors. He loved sinners. He loved lost people. He loves you and he loves me. That's what you need to know and understand that the Bible talks about that. I've read through the Gospel of John. I don't know if you've ever just read through one of the Gospels and just look look at all the people that Jesus hung out with. In John chapter 1, he's with some fishermen, some stinking, smelling, uneducated, dirty, foul-mouthed fishermen. That's who he's hanging out with in John chapter 1. John chapter 2, he's at a wedding. You know what happens at a wedding. You know what kind of crowd gathers at a wedding. And Jesus was one that turned the water into the wine in John chapter 2. John chapter 3, he's with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. John chapter 4, he's with a Samaritan woman that has been married and divorced five times. She got married and divorced, married and divorced, married and divorced, married and divorced, married and divorced. And finally, she, now she's just living, guy number six, she's just living with guy number six. And yet Jesus spent time with her and tried to reach her and, and lead her into a saving relationship with his heavenly father. John chapter five, he's at a feast uh, called the Feast of the Jews in Jerusalem. And the Jews were the one, of course, that ended up rejecting him. In John chapter 6, he feeds 5,000. He's at a picnic. And he feeds Jesus. He feeds 5,000 people. You know there were some good people and there were some bad people in that crowd. He fed all 5,000 of them. And he himself picked up the tab. John chapter 7, he stands once again before the scribes and the Pharisees. In John chapter 8, he's with a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. On and on it goes the devotion that Jesus showed to lost sinners. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55, 11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888 818 
888-447-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.